We are uh, in the, uh, this is the final Sunday, a series of messages been focused on the idea that we've all been imprinted. We've been imprinted by our families, we've been imprinted by socioeconomic uh, influences upon our life, uh, genetic influences, history, and uh, so all of these things have played a part in the, the people that we are today, the individual that you are. Um, yeah, it's not, there's no such thing as a self-made person. Uh, you have been imprinted by influencers all around you all the while that you've been growing up. But for the, the Christian, here's the difference in perspective, is that for the Christian, those influencers and that imprinting doesn't determine the direction or the outcome of your life. Now, naturalism or just this philosophy that I, I have no way out of it. I'm just, because I've been imprinted, I'm just going to receive those inputs and output comes my life and it's just whatever it is. However, I'm just, in a sense, we, we sometimes talk about that victim idea that, that we have received this imprinting and we just have no control over it. And, and, and honestly, that's what Scripture says is the truth for many people, but people without Jesus Christ, they, what are they going to do except take those inputs, and then just live it out the rest of their life that, that's forced them into this position in their life. Now, they can exert their self-will, but, but because the, the human will has its own weaknesses, has its own brokenness, it still comes out much of the same stuff. But here's, here's the good news. Here's the gospel, is that in Christ, you have been born again, is what the Scriptures teach. That you are a new creation. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you are a new creation in Christ. And so you're not just the outputs. You're not just subject to all those uh, imprints that have been put upon your life throughout years and years of, of living and family and history and culture around you. That you can be reshaped, which again is the theme of this idea that we've been taking, is, is that we can be reshaped into the image that looks more like Jesus Christ. That looks more like what God's image desire, his desires are for us. And so this idea that we are born again into God's family, it doesn't mean that all of that stuff doesn't matter and it has no influence. That, that would be also an incorrect thought that I've somehow by walking into and, and receiving life in Jesus Christ, confessing my sins and and going direction, becoming a disciple of Jesus, that somehow none of that matters anymore. I'm just free to go forward. No, you and I, if you're a follower of Christ, you've still been imprinted. It just means that since you've been born again, those imprints no longer determine the outcome. You get to be reparented, right? So there's areas in your life that then, and my life, that have to be reparented. It means I go back in some areas that's much easier. I go back in some places that the reparenting and, and the reshaping of my life, it just seems so natural, and I just step into that, and it's it, it just easier for me to walk in than in other areas. There's some areas of my life that, boy, when, when I came to Christ, they were stuck at this third grade, second, third grade level that, that I could see it in my life. I was 25, 26, even 30 years old. And I think, why am I still, look, why does my life look like a, a second or third grader in that area of my life? Why am I not, why hasn't my confession in Christ, why hasn't it just broken? And now, 
I, you know, I'm a 26 maturing adult and all of that gets fixed. Well, it's because I haven't yet allowed God to reparent me, to make me new in that area. I just thought, well, God's just going to take it over and then it'll be fixed. That being a Christian means that from the point I'm a Christian, God just takes over everything and then it's all fixed. No, no, no. It's this process of surrendering our lives to Jesus Christ and allowing Him to reshape it, to be born again into His discipleship, into His family, and allow Him to reparent me into the life that He wants for me in Jesus Christ. So whole and living in the fullness and abundant life of Christ comes when I submit myself to this born-again experience and say, Lord, I now submit this area of my life that needs to be reshaped into the image of Christ, that it needs to be conformed more to your word and to your spirit. And so we address this question. We brought up this question right at the very beginning. It says, am I putting on display the reshaping of Jesus Christ's influence upon my life, or am I displaying only the collection of others' influences upon my life? Now, that's a really important question as, as, a, as a Christian. What are people seeing in my life? Are they seeing the, the reshaping of Jesus Christ in my life? Or are they just seeing all these other influencers squeezing out and oozing out of my life? I, I don't know how another way to say it, oozing and squeezing out, you know, those other influences. Because it happens most often when we're pressed, when we're pressured, when we experience hardships. Then all of a sudden what rises to the surface is who are we being parented by? Right? Isn't, isn't that true with your kids if you're a parent or if you think about your sibling? or When you put pressure on them, when you bring correction to them, when, when they experience uh, maybe they haven't gotten the sleep that they need, right? stuff starts oozing out, their attitudes and behaviors, right? They, you know, we, we tend, as parents, we tend to even cover for them a little bit. Oh, he just needs a nap. Can I say that sometimes I want to say that about myself? I just need a nap. It's like, I, I can't help myself. I, you know, it's, this stuff is coming out of my life that hasn't yet been transformed by Jesus Christ. And so that question is important. Am I putting on display the reshaping of Jesus Christ's influence on my life? Or am I displaying only a collection of the other influences upon my life? What shows when the pressure comes? What shows when I'm in a, in a hardship situation? Is it more of Jesus or does my life and the previous influences, are those the things that come up? So this really comes out of Romans 12, 1 and 2, uh, this, this whole idea, because when Paul is writing to the church in Rome, this is what he's telling them is that it's not just something that God does to you, it's a partnership you have with God to be reshaped. It's not just something God does to you, it's that He does with you. So Romans 12, 1 and 2 says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So again, we're not called to conformity, to being shaped by the culture around us, but we're called to be reshaped by the renewing of our mind. So what really gets addressed here is 
what do we think about this? What, how do we see a situation? How do we see something in our life? And then how do we approach it? A lot of it has to do with how am I being reshaped? How are my thoughts being transformed by Scripture and by the Holy Spirit instead of just being pressed into the culture all around me? So last week, um, Mark Harris did a wonderful job of teaching about reshaping our attitudes and not giving ourselves permission to justify our actions, not giving ourselves an out. Instead, instead of holding on to self-justification that leads us down a path away from God, it's this surrender to God's will, to God's purposes. Because if we do that, if we hold on to our self-justifications, we end up in this place, much as Jonah did, we're just not even usable to God. We hold on to how we think life should be lived, how we think life should go. And at that point, when we stop being shapeable, moldable by God, all of a sudden we're not usable by Him. Because life doesn't look like we wanted it to, so we hold firm and we hold to this idea of how my life should look, and we don't allow God to shape us. All of a sudden, we're at that place where God says, what can I do with you? What? We're unteachable, we're unshapeable at that point. And so we have to continually be surrendering ourselves to Jesus. We have to be accessible to Jesus. So this morning, this is, this is our point. It's going to come from Matthew chapter 11. It's the point in terms of what, what does it take really for us to stay in that relationship? What does it take? What is our work in essence? What part do we have in this? If it's a true partnership, what is our work in this? So let's pray as we... Uh, go to the scriptures this morning and, and just invite the Holy Spirit to speak to each of us. Holy Spirit, we, we welcome you to be the teacher. Lord, I know that you have given me uh, things to share, things to say, um, ideas to communicate, but Lord, um, I, I have limits. Um, there are ways in which I can't communicate fully what you want to communicate. And so I uh, ask you, Holy Spirit, to um, both empower me, but also go beyond me in communicating what is important for each individual here. Uh, we do our part, Lord, by submitting ourselves, surrendering ourselves to you. Uh, we, Lord, look to your word as truth. We look to your word as the, the way in which you give us instruction, the way in which you speak to us. And we also look to you, Holy Spirit, to illuminate and to highlight areas of our own life that you are still actively speaking to each one of us. And so we take a posture not of rigidity or holding tightly to our own attitudes and thoughts, but we surrender ourselves before you now and we invite you to speak to us, to shape us more in the image of Jesus Christ. And we thank you for it. Amen. So again, the focal point is Matthew 11. And uh, as we come to this particular chapter, uh, there's already, as always when we come to Scripture, there's already conversations and activity that's been happening before we get to uh, this, this point. So in the previous chapter, in chapter 10, Jesus had commissioned the disciples with authority uh, and power. So he had said, go heal the sick, 
uh, drive out demons, cast out demons, uh, proclaim that the kingdom of God has come to these communities. And so Jesus has given this encouragement to the, to the disciples. And so then we come to chapter 11. In the first part of chapter 11, he calls for people to wake up because they've been lulled into a life that doesn't even allow them to see that the kingdom is at the door. So they, they view this, they, they take this approach that they're just spectators. Like the, the disciples have been doing all this work in the kingdom of God. Jesus has been bringing miracles and, and uh, transforming lives. But the people have taken this approach that they're kind of just sitting back and they're observers. It, it's almost like, uh, I don't know how many of you watch those talent shows. So there's the ones like The Voice or America's Got Talent, right? You have this panel of judges who sit back, and then everybody gets on the stage, and they perform, and then if they like them, they do a, you know, one of a couple. They, they hit the buzzer, and they say, yes, I, I want that person to go forward. Or in the voice, they have this chair that spins around. So if they hit their button, the chair spins around, and they say, I, I vote for this person to move on. I like your, I like your talents. You know, you're one of the ones who I, I applaud. And so this is kind of that same mindset. Jesus is saying, Woe to you because all these miracles and the kingdom of God has come into your towns and your cities and, and you sat back as though you're judges deciding whether or not it's impressive enough or not. He says, woe to you because if the things that have been done in your cities had been done for Sodom, Sodom would still be around, Jesus said. He said, Sodom experienced such judgment by God for their actions, but he said, you guys are doing worse things than Sodom by holding on to this position of judgment and pulling back. You're not repenting. You're not engaging into the kingdom. And yet the kingdom is right here. It's right in your presence, these miracles and, and deliverance that's coming. So in other words, Jesus is saying, stop acting like the judge over what's happening and start repenting and get engaged in the kingdom. Jump in to what God is doing in your, in your midst. He highlights, Jesus says, think about the source of where these things are happening. And then we'll go into the passage at Matthew eleven twenty five and through verse 30. Jesus says, you're having difficulty getting engaged in the kingdom? Think about the source. Let's make it real simple. Think about the source. If this comes from the Father, then... The kingdom is upon you. But if it's the kingdom of the devil, of course, then stand back. But he says, does the kingdom of the devil do miraculous healings? Is it from Beelzebub that people are healed and people are delivered? He says, no. So he says, if I'm speaking and I'm doing the works of the Father, then why are you holding back? Why are you not engaging into the kingdom? So we come to Matthew chapter 11, verse 25 through 30, and these are the words that Jesus then tells them. He says, at that time, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to the little children. Yes, Father, for this is what you are pleased to do. All things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son and those whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me. All you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble of heart, 
and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus addresses the crowd in a way that he had in other times when he was doing teachings. He says, you've hidden these things from the wise and learned it and revealed them to little children. In a sense, he's kind of uh, highlighting the arrogant posture that they have. Listen, we're wise, we're too good for these things. He says, you've revealed them to those who are simple enough to receive them. In other places, he says, whoever would be the least will actually be the greatest in the kingdom. If you think yourself great and worthy of high honor, you're in trouble. You're not worthy of the kingdom. Another point, he says, it's not those who are well who need the doctor, but those who are sick. So if you think of yourself as, I'm good, everything's fine, he says, you're going to miss out on the kingdom. It's only for those who really recognize that they have need of a doctor that get well. In another instance, Jesus says, if you're blind, you can receive sight But if you declare that you already see without God's help, then you're stuck in your blindness. (laughs) You see, Jesus keeps highlighting this idea that until you recognize that you have great need, you're stuck. You are stuck with what you have. Until you're willing and ready to humble yourself and come before God and say, Lord, I have great need. (laughs) Lord, what I have is insufficient. Until you get to that place... Jesus is saying, well, you're kind of stuck with what you have. If you want to enter into, in other words, all that the kingdom has for you, you have to be willing to admit that you need all that the kingdom has for you. If you want life in Jesus, you have to have not made a life for yourself that you're unwilling to sacrifice and give up. In this passage, Jesus says it this way, verse 28. He says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I love how the message version uh, paraphrases this particular passage. It says that if we come to Jesus... We can live freely and lightly. Freely and lightly. How many of you this morning, and without having to raise your hand, you just think, if I would describe my life today, would I describe that I'm living freely and lightly? That's a great question, right? Am I living freely and lightly? Because that's the life that Jesus said that he came to bring to us. So there's a a contrast here that if we're not experiencing that, either Jesus isn't capable of delivering that, option A, or B, we're at a place where we're not really able to enter into that for some reason. That we're not experiencing it for some reason. That's a great conviction to me. That when I'm not experiencing life freely and lightly, my assumption in my discipleship with Jesus is that it probably has more to do with me than it has to do with Jesus' inability to deliver on his promises. I think that's most followers of Christ would say, if I'm not experiencing the abundant life that Jesus has called me to be, it's not because Jesus can't deliver it, it's because I'm struggling to enter into it. 
there's something that's not quite resonating or connecting with me. So the first step, though, that Jesus brings to to light in this, how do we live it? The first step to living freely and lightly is to confess that you're abandoning self-sufficiency and accepting Jesus' sufficiency. It's the first step. The first part of what Jesus says is, come to me. Come to me. He has it. He has it. Now, I know this sounds like Christianity 101, but if I could just say that if you and I aren't living freely and lightly, who have we been coming to? Where have we been finding or looking for our sufficiency? Most often when it comes to me, I've been going to myself. I've been going to my own wells. I've been looking at my self-sufficiency instead of Jesus' sufficiency. Are you launching into your life each day with this great task list, a great plan, a budget, and all the energy you can muster up, but missing the most important thing, a total surrender to Jesus Christ? As you start your day, as I start looking for the day or the week ahead of me, do I have all my, we like to say, ducks in a row? to make sure that I'm totally prepared for everything, but do I pass over or miss that closeness and that intimacy with Jesus and say, Lord, I don't have enough for the week that's ahead of me. Am I able to confess and humble myself enough to tell Jesus at his feet and say, Lord, I have a number of things, but I don't have enough. This morning before I start my day, This week, before I get into the mix of it, Lord, the first thing I do is I recognize I don't have enough. If I think I've got enough already, Jesus says, you're already lacking. Because all that you have, all that you're going to get is what you have already. But if you're willing to admit that you need to come to Him for the sufficiency and have enough for the day or for the week, for the time that's ahead of you, He says, come Come to me. The point is that Jesus talks about our approach and his. He says that his yoke is easy and his burden is light. His yoke is easy and his burden is light. I honestly think this is a difficult one for Christians. I've thought about my thought processes over the years and different ones that I've spoken with. A number of people who feel like Jesus' burden is actually kind of heavy. It's wearisome. Living for Jesus is like one more thing added on to a list of things that I just don't feel like I do well in life. It's one more area that I feel like I'm failing God is in serving God. What a a challenge that is when Jesus tells us in this passage that, wait, his yoke is easy and his burden is light. So I think the mix-up is sometimes in my own thinking that what I've done is instead of bringing the yoke of life, the, the way in which I live life, and the burdens that I experience, the cares of this world, Instead of bringing them to Jesus on a regular basis and saying, Lord, these are too much for me. My family life is too much for me. My job is too much for me. 
the people you've called me to be light and bring the gospel to are too much for me. Lord, my past, the way that it's been imprinted upon me, is too much for me. But Lord, it's not too much for you. And so instead of rolling my burdens and the cares and the yoke of this life onto him, instead I start out the day throwing the yoke of Christianity on my shoulders along with everything else. And it becomes one more burden that I feel like a failure at or that I'm disappointing God at. or I'm not doing well because I'm not spending enough time in the Word or enough time in prayer. So now instead of Jesus' yoke being light, the burden being easy, instead it all feels very heavy on me. Can I tell you that, that the gospel is this, that he came to set us free from the very things that sometimes we carry as Christians. He came to set us free from the sense that he wants us to work on this, that, that somehow we're being judged by God, that somehow God is disappointed with us all the time because we don't measure up to what standard he has for us. And so we throw another yoke on of Christian faith and it becomes this weight that by the time we get to the end of the week, we just say, Lord, not only am I struggling with my family life and with my job and dealing with past hurts, now I feel like I'm just disappointing you, God, that I'm not, that I'm not measuring up. The invitation, please hear this, the invitation from Jesus is not to take upon yourself, along with all your other burdens, the yoke of Christianity. The invitation from Jesus is to say, Lay your life down in its entirety at his feet and say, Lord, this is all too much for me. I can't do any of it. But Lord, here's the one thing I can do is I can come to you. And I can lay at your feet everything that concerns me, every worry, every fear, every issue that that weighs me down. Lord, I can bring that to you. And what I can take upon myself is my relationship with you, the yoke of knowing you. So this is the final step. It's a two-step message. Pretty, pretty easy, pretty quick. Final step to living freely and lightly is to remain in fellowship with Jesus, abandoning the desire to be self-sufficient. The first one is confessing that I'm, I'm too self-sufficient. I think I can do this stuff. I hate to be the one to stand on a platform and tell you, but you cannot do life. If you haven't yet experienced that or come to that realization, the things that you deal with, the brokenness, the hurt in your own life, the life of those around you is too much to carry for any human being to carry. But it's not too much for Jesus. So that's why he says, come to me. The second thing he tells you is, here's here's your work then. Here's your job. Here's my job. Here's every day that we're called to do to live freely and lightly is to remain in fellowship with him. To remain in close relationship with him. So that that temptation to begin to pick those things back up and start worrying about them again. To make them our concerns and our, our job to make sure life works out for us. The reason we abide is so that we, in Jesus, is so that we can continually roll it back over to him. And say, Lord, I don't want to pick this up. I don't want to be self-sufficient. I want to be dependent on you. John 15 verses 4 through 5. Jesus speaking, he says, Abide in me 
and I in you, speaking to his disciples. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I'm the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he is that, he is it that, boy, that's a difficult one for me to word. And I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Boy, that last portion of that verse goes over and over in my head. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Literally, those words should at some level shock your system. It, sh- it should be like somebody taking your shoulders and just shaking you a little bit and saying, apart from me, you can do nothing. Most people, including myself, we feel like we're pretty capable. There's some stuff I can do. I'm, I'm somewhat capable. I can do some things. Jesus is saying, apart from me, you can do nothing. He's pointing to this idea of abiding, that the fruit out of your life, what you will produce out of your life is death. You'll keep working and laboring and get more weary. And even in your Christian faith, it'll become tiresome. It'll wear you down till all of a sudden you have nothing left. And he says, abide in me. Be in my presence. Spend time with me. And he'll give us the strength to accomplish. We'll bear much fruit. It's a different message. Again, it's counter-cultural. It's different than the message that we hear from the culture around us. uh, The culture around us says we should not have limits. When when, uh, I was growing up, my parents, especially my mom, she was such an encourager. She would just say, you can do anything. You can do absolutely anything. Just anything you put your mind to do, you can do it. Do you know what I found out that I couldn't do by the time I was in third grade? Math. You say, well, sure, Andy, you could have if you just applied yourself, maybe. But I still to this day think I have limits. Math is one of those limits. But that message permeates the culture. You don't have limits, right? Anything you want to do, anything that you feel like doing, you can do it. We, we try to spend more time than we actually have. We try to do more than our bodies are capable of sustaining. Instead of working six days and taking a Sabbath, we work seven for two, three, four weeks, months on end. We try to do more than our bodies are capable of. We try to spend more than we have resources for. Boy, we are so good at that. I I remember the first time I traveled uh, to Africa and uh, realized that getting a car was difficult for them. Why? They couldn't get credit. You had to have cash. You want to buy the car? You had to pay for the whole car with cash. They didn't, they didn't offer loans to buy cars or buy houses, and so everything was done on a cash basis. Not here. <laughs> we lean heavily into loans. We lean heavily into using resources. Now, I have a loan for my house. I have a loan on a car, so I, please, I'm not talking at you. I'm saying this is our culture that we swim in is... We overspend. We use money we don't have. We speak about more than we can fulfill. We make promises beyond what we're capable of completing. And last one, we, we think we can solve more problems than our mind can actually think through. We, 
we think we understand what's going to happen next week or next month. And so if we just get the problem solved just the right way, then we'll have the right answer when such and such happens. Unfortunately, we have no control over anything but this very moment. Maybe not unfortunately. Maybe that's a good thing that Jesus tells us, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow has enough cares of its own. Instead, focus on today. Focus on what God wants to do right in your midst. So this is the shock to our system as Jesus says, listen, apart from me, you can do nothing. You have to abide in me. And he's getting at this very point. We have limits. God doesn't have limits. God doesn't live by those same limits that you and I have. He's all-knowing. He's all-powerful. He has unlimited resource. So God does not have the same limits, but we have limits, and that's difficult. I would encourage you this afternoon, (laughs) if you are struggling with an area of burdens in your life, begin as we have our response time coming up in just a moment. Begin to think through, even now, the Holy Spirit would highlight areas of your life where you've had limits and you've pushed past them. You've pushed past them instead of recognizing that that limit is a way that God could speak to you to say, abide in me. (laughs) Don't try and push through those financial limits. Don't try and push through those time limits, that physical strain. Listen to what your body is telling you about your capacity, your ability. Your thinking limits and the frustration you have because your plans don't come through. Is God speaking to you that instead of abiding, you're trying to take on life in your own way, in your own approach? Jesus again says, apart from me, you can do nothing. Not nothing, nothing. You and I can breathe. We can carry on lives. People do even without Jesus. But he says, listen, anything of substance that is born out of the kingdom that's going to bear lasting fruit in your life, the stuff of substance, it all comes from abiding in Jesus Christ. So I've shared with you two really simple things, but two very important things about where life comes out of. And it's this idea that we need a reminder that to live freely and lightly is to confess that we're abandoning life that we would create for ourselves, and that we're going to come to the feet of Jesus and take His yoke. We're going to receive His burdens, the things that matter to Him. We're going to take the life that He has for us, and we're going to live that life and not the life that we try and live out ourselves. That we're going to take our burdens, the things that concern us, the things that weigh us down, And even our Christian faith, and we're going to roll it over to Him. We're saying, Lord, help me to live this out. I don't have it within myself. But that's that first step, right? That first step of confession. It says, Lord, I don't have it. I don't have the resource. I don't have it within me. I need to receive from You daily to be able to experience the life You have for me. And then that last step to live freely and lightly is that ongoing fellowship with Jesus. Once we come into relationship with Christ, it's not a one-time act. It's a every morning, every day type of action. Every minute of the day, 
of surrendering our life to Jesus and saying, I need to abide in you, Lord. Abide. I need to be close to you. I need to be cognizant that you're right here with me in the midst of this moment. That I don't have to shift gears and go, well, God's not really present here, so I kind of need to handle this on my own. It's taking time to pause and listen. Say, Lord, what are you saying about this? God, I'm coming up against the limit of time. What do you want to tell me about my life? Lord, of resource, financial ability, Lord, it's a limit. What are you telling me about this? Is this one that you're going to help me to overcome and I need to step forward and move forward in faith? Or is it that I need to pause and wait and get clear discernment that you're actually leading me down this pathway? Living within those limits so that we can really draw from our life in Jesus Christ. Would you join me in standing? As you do, I want to mention that uh, if you're here this morning and you've never surrendered your life to Jesus in that way, that you've been living life from that point of all the inputs in your life up to today, like your family crafted your, the life that you're now living, uh, the, the education you got, you just feel like where I'm at right now is just a result of all the things that happened before me. And you've never committed your life to Jesus, or maybe you did as a young child and, and then just kind of went headlong into life and, and just took it on yourself. I, I want to encourage you, I want to invite you to surrender your life to Jesus Christ completely and totally this morning. I want to invite you to say, Lord Jesus, I don't know how to live this life. I need you. I'm sick. I need the doctor. I'm needy. I need, I'm coming to the source and asking you to really give me true life. Jesus said, if you need real rest, come to me. So this morning, if you've never made a decision to follow Jesus Christ, then I want to invite you that today is the day to do that. Not to spend more time thinking about how, you know, it would all look differently if you could just have a few more months or years to, to go back and change things. No, today the invitation Jesus is making to you is that you can have new life. You can have a new life in Him, and it starts today simply by confessing to Him, saying, Lord, I, I have this life, I have my life wrong. It hasn't ended or come to the point where I thought it would. And so this morning I'm surrendering it to you. So if that's you this morning and you want to give your life to Jesus Christ and become a disciple of His and begin following life the way that He would lay it out for you, then I, I would invite you to step back to our prayer room as we come to a time of worship. And they will pray with you through that. Our prayer room is directly in the, the back of the sanctuary here. And they'll pray with you. And they'll also give you a resource that's called Start to Follow. And that'll just help you know next steps in your walk with Jesus. What does it mean to abide? How do I start living that out and experiencing that. So that's one point. For some of you this morning, that may be the first step you need to take is a commitment or recommitment of your life to Jesus Christ and begin to follow Him. Others of you this morning, when I talked about burdens and carrying burdens, boy, you could have just started naming them off. You know, the burdens and the load that you are carrying. And it is weighing you down. And when I said that Jesus came so that you could live life freely and lightly, you almost just kind of snickered out loud. 
(laughs) If you only knew, that is not even close to the life I live. The life I live is heavy and weighty and tiresome. And it just doesn't even feel like Jesus makes a difference in my life. Then the invitation is open for you this morning too. To come to Jesus and say, Lord, I've been carrying around weight, burdens, and a yoke that you never asked me to carry. These are all things that I've been bringing along through life. And Jesus, your invitation to me was to come to you and lay all that down so that I could just remaining and abiding relationship with you and that you would help take over these burdens that I feel. You would carry the yoke of life that I am unable to carry. And so this morning, the invitation to you is you can bring that to Jesus this morning. You say, how do I, how do, I do that? How do I, I, I still have to be a parent. I still have to go to my job. Yep, you still have your responsibilities. I'm not saying that all disappears. What I'm saying is, is that you don't have the answers for all of those, but Jesus does. You don't have the strength for all of that, but Jesus does. And Jesus can show you where you're living outside of your limits, trying to do it all and be a mini-God when He would say, you're not that. So let me point out areas of your life where you've gone outside of your limits and begin to pull that back in and narrow the scope so that you can really live this life of being freely and lightly in me. That's an invitation that's open to you this morning that you would really experience freedom. You experience the lightness of life in Jesus. So let's pray as we come to him. Lord, our response time now, Jesus, uh, some of us, Lord, need that first step. So Holy Spirit, would you just encourage us? You're drawing us, and, and Lord, we know it because our, our heart is racing, and, and Lord, this is a major decision. It absolutely is to become a disciple and to follow you for the first time. But Lord, because it's you, because you're leading us, we, we can do that, Lord. For those who are feeling that call to follow you, Jesus, Holy Spirit, would you just give them an extra little nudge so that they would have the boldness and the courage to step out for you and to become a follower and a disciple of you today. Lord, for those who have been carrying burdens and freely and lightly seems like the farthest thing from life right now for them, Lord, I pray, as we prayed earlier, Holy Spirit, that you would show us areas where you're addressing, we're carrying the burden that we shouldn't be carrying, that we're living out of our limits. Lord, I pray that you would just call, call us to a boldness to step out, to surrender those things, whether that's kneeling before you and, and laying them before you, Lord, whether that's in our worship that we come before you, Lord, or whether that's getting together with another individual and praying through those burdens and surrendering them and confessing, Lord, that we've been living with things that we need not live with. But instead, it's our time to abide. It's our time to get close to you and to live in that presence, God, that produces fruit and not weight. We thank you, Lord, for this time. Now we respond to you as you draw us closer to yourself. Amen.